With threats to our nation waiting around every corner, adaptability is more important than ever. When conditions change without notice, quick strategic thinking is crucial. And with obstacles consistently impending, determination is essential in overcoming them. It's this willingness, decisiveness, and resilience that sets Marines apart. With our fighting spirit, we don't just fight battles, we win them. Marines are the constant our nation counts on to fight the unknown. And through adaptable problem solving, we do just that. Learn more at Marines.com. Survivor 46 is here and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast. And we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Valladares, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcast. From the creators of Cold Case Files and PD Stories comes the next great true crime podcast, I Survived. Every week, I Survived pre- presents chilling first-person accounts from people who overcame deadly situations, allowing the survivors to describe the event as they unfold and how they made it out alive. If you love true crime, you are going to love I Survived. Be sure to subscribe on Spotify, Podcast One.com, and Apple Podcasts, and really anywhere else you get your podcasts. I survived. Sounds like me making a mock draft. Go get it. It is March 5th. This is the PFF forecast. You and I, we did a mock. Actually, the math did a mock. We kind of just, yeah. we put it out there. Yep. And so we are going to talk, we're going to sort of, we did a lot of the legwork yesterday, but we're going to talk about the big questions that we had from that mock. We've got, you wrote and one of my favorite pieces. I'm going to make you talk about it, about defense, and a little bit about a, what actually matters on defense. We have some Tom Brady hyperbole, and then uh, a little Cincy Y to close it out. You ready to rock? I am. Or mock. Can we... Can we comment on the on the niceness of our new podcast room here? Like, we got the goat back here, Mahomes. Oh, I thought you were talking about me. Oh yeah, well, and then you over here on the side with me <laughs> at the Super Bowl, and then you know Wilson Murray. Wow, this is this is great. I'm not gonna lie. I woke up this morning. I thought about what I had on the docket for today. I'm usually really excited about the podcast, but I thought about how much more comfortable it is in here, mm-hmm. and how I feel like I'm. If I could choose a spot where I would want to just hang out and talk, this would be mm-hmm. this would be pretty much it, right? Yeah. Like, I mean, I would maybe prefer a beach instead of like mic airs and some soundboard. No offense, um, and maybe a margarita instead of water. But that's yeah. really water it. water out of a wooden bottle. Yeah, the <laughs> this this has that feel that we used to have with uh, you know when we we used to do the the room chats with Solomon Wilcox, but it's actually in the podcast room. So. It's still a back room. You know what I was watching last night was the this guy walking across the volcano. Did you see this? I, I obviously I got a secondhand contact high so, from Twitter. So everyone's the only things that are trending are something political or coronavirus. So ABC is like, hey, how about a guy in a gas mask walking above a volcano? Can I interest you? And of course I was very interested. And really, he's walking across with a harness 
it didn't feel like there was any way he could die. So with that being said, I would ask you, without training, if I said, hey, I'm going to strap a harness to you, you have to walk across this volcano, would you do it for, and you could have any player in the NFL join your favorite team, how many players would you do that for? None. None. Yeah, because because oh. my, my favorite team has Patrick Mahomes. So no, no, that's the fucking point. You don't have Patrick Mahomes oh, on your I team. Oh, I see. Uh, sure, one. That's the only one. Well, I mean, my thing is, is the 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 chance that some some eruptions going to happen beneath me. Right, is too grave. I mean, you so, could like, fall. I'll, I'll do I, it once. I would presume that falling carries some risk of of bodily harm. You yes. probably don't die. You probably you could sprain two calves. Mm-hmm. Or one. like, or something can erupt beneath me. Right. And that, like, uh, I could still not fall, but like, I could be like singed from the the waist down. Yeah. And apparently, there, there are potential deadly gases that spontaneously erupt. Hence the gas mask. Right. So if my favorite team, which it does, has Patrick Mahomes, then not. Oh, if I interesting. If the I Vikings don't have Patrick Mahomes. They're the. Depends what year it is. It depends upon what year it is. You're right. You're right. I I'm with you. I really I think Patrick Mahomes is the only one. And I don't. What about Russ? Russ is very good. Russ is worthy of that distinction. I think sometimes he is. I would like to believe that if I did that, see, I like Russell Wilson a lot as a football player. I'm not, I'm not the biggest like Russell Wilson just overall guy Mm -hmm. fan. I think I would need to be all in on this guy. He has some like. I would do it for Tom Brady maybe five years ago. Well, here's the question. If you're the San Francisco 49ers, what would you do for Tom Brady? Would you walk across him? Okay, no, we're going to talk about him in a second. Anyways, that tells you how stupid the um, the sports landscape is. Should we talk about some of the questions that we we kind of have debated regarding this mock? Actually, let's talk about the, the way we did the mock draft first. So it will come out on Monday, mm-hmm. and the goal of this was to not not pull any punches with respect to doing mathematically sound Yeah things Mm -hmm. and the key there is it's very hard to go all the way through it's easy to do picks one two and three to a certain extent it's easy maybe to get through the top 10 i think in parts but it's really hard to go all the way through and actually stick to your guns because there's a lot of narrative out there that you basically have to say no fuck Derek brown going at seven or eight he's not a guy that i'm wasting a first round pick on well, that and that's the thing when you look at, you know, for example, um, trying to, I don't know, model these things mathematically. It's par- partially your player projection, so you actually have to like project that a guy like Chase Young is going to be good, but you also have to stick to your like broad understanding of the league. So, like for me, for example, that Muti, for example, the guard who I think is very good, but. The question and like a lot better as a projection than any other guard in the entire uh, class. But then I think to myself, okay, like, is it still a good positional value for somebody for a team in the later round, end of the first round to take him? Derek Brown, as far as run block or uh, run defense, is as good as anybody uh, on the defensive line in this in this draft. But does run defense matter and then like you you literally look and i wrote the article about his projection up on pff yesterday and people got real mostly auburn fans got really upset and it's like well look at the look at the worst teams in the nfl in terms of yards per carry allowed green bay san francisco 
Kansas City, uh, you know, playoff teams. And it's like, yeah, sure, you can buy this thing, but are you actually buying team wins? You're not, this time of year, you are not buying all pros. You are buying wins. And if you're not buying wins, you're wasting time. Then what your are time. we doing here? What are we doing here? Like, I, one of the things that I, so we, we did kind of a rough draft last night. And one of the things that I wrote in, in part of the intro was you do not get a ring. And you said something similar to this last year. You do not get a ring because the guy you took in the first round wins rookie of the year. No. You don't. And that's what exactly what happened to the New York Giants. And the New York Giants then went and picked a quarterback the very next year. And their hopes and dreams ride with that quarterback. How many people do you hear going, you know what? The Giants will be great if Saquon Barkley rushes for 2,000 yards or has 2,500 all-purpose yards or catches 100 passes. No one is saying that. People are saying the New York Giants will be great if Daniel Jones in some cases, gets protected or has a really good year. And it's even worse in that respect because, like, now we're talking so Tampa Bay fans were saying, well, you know, Vita Vea was taken in the top 15. We have the best run defense in the NFL Great. now. Congratulations. It's like, it's like, yeah, that's awesome, but you don't get to, anything for no, it. No, no, to be fair, they might hang a banner in Tampa Bay for that. That's what I'm saying. Like, the the Saquon, like, you look back, like, okay, who are the sort of, like, generational running backs? Adrian Peterson won one playoff game as a member of the Minnesota Vikings, and it was started. The game was started by Brett Favre. Here's here's a legit question: Who is the most? That term is is totally overused, right? Yeah. But if you were actually to look back at the past twenty years, so since two thousand, yeah, how many? Because I actually do believe there are a couple of generational running backs in terms of like these guys were before their time, and they really redefined the way the position is used. Yeah. I'm going to put Ladanian Tomlinson on that list. I actually think Darren Sproles is weirdly on that list. Yeah, but is he, though, in the sense that, like, no one used draft capital on him? Like, for me, a generational that's, talent has that's to be part somebody. Of it, though. I'm thinking of it from my perspective. Yeah. He re- he illuminated that, you know, okay, L- LT was like, look, you can be a pass-catching yeah. uh, force at running back position. And I would say, well, Darren Sproles showed you that you can do that without investing first-round capital on it. Yeah, I mean, Anyways, this, so so for me, the the one the one player that I will seed um, that was amazing was Marshall Falk, and was, and and, and here's that, the yeah. and here's the really funny thing about Marshall Falk. So Falk drafted second overall by the Colts. Colts are basically, I mean, they made the AFC Championship game in '95, but basically terrible. So bad that they needed to, they got the number one pick for Peyton Manning in '98. So bad that they had the fourth overall pick in 1999. 1999 was the year that Mike Dicka traded an entire draft plus the following year's first and third round pick to move up to get Ricky Williams. That same year, the Rams were able to get a sec, take a second round pick and a fifth round pick and get Marshall Falk. The brilliant thing about Marshall Falk was that Rams offense, the greatest show on turf, set all the records. Falk had one, two, three, four games out of all those games, out of all the, that entire season where he carried the ball more than 20 times. The best running backs, and they people are like, oh, shouldn't the Chiefs? Should the Chiefs uh, draft uh, Jonathan Taylor? Should they trade for Christian McCaffrey? All kind of stuff. The best running backs are the ones that don't make you run the football, because the issue is, is anytime you buy into that position, you have to give them carries in a way to justify the 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 capital that went into that player, and that makes your offense by definition weaker. Okay, the first question we have on our list of mock questions is when we said hey we're writing a mock a lot of the people that know 
what we stand for immediately go how many quarterbacks five six it's like lebron and d wade when they went to miami not not two not three Mm -hmm. not four not five not six and i actually believe that our answer is going to end up very much like the number of championships that that team won what so the first two are obvious we're taking joe burrow into a tegovaloa there is the argument for taking more guys after that would be look can't should i take the fourth receiver off the board or the third quarterback yeah. and i know that there are tail uh option opportunities right like if justin herbert figures it all out he's obviously going to be worth more than the third wide receiver mm-hmm. you know whoever it is well maybe we'll talk about that in a second um what what could possibly keep you from taking a shot on the Justin Herberts, the Josh Loves, the Jordan Loves, even like a, you know, I don't know who else you want to throw in there. Tyler Huntley looks really good. I, I just, the thing that's keeping me from taking them in round one is that the fact that I don't think they're going to be very good. Like there's not a, there's not a greater than puncher's chance that they're, so what if, okay, let me ask you this. So what if, who was the, the most valuable rookie last year was? Gardner Minshew. Gardner Minshew, okay. Who was taken where? Right. No, no, I I get that. My point being is he was taken there because the league doesn't, in large part, understand how to value quarterbacks. In some ways, properly valued him while improperly valuing everybody drafted before him other than Kyler, in my opinion. Right, but if if you were looking at, if you were the Jaguars, for example, you should have justified taking him far far sooner. Sure. I mean, yes. I also think, though, that is Justin Herbert worse than Gardner Minshew? I think they're closer than people think. I agree. <laughs> I, and, and and the other thing, so like, is, is I'd rather Anthony, have Gardner Minshew. Is Anthony honest, Gordon yeah. all that much? Is is because An, Anthony Gordon? We we you know I'd walk I, I across wrote, a volcano for Gardner Minshew. I, I wrote I wrote an article about Anthony Gordon. <laughs> Gordon, you know, Luke Falk before him, Gardner Minshew before him. Anthony Gordon had the most yards per attempt in that offense than any of those players in the Leach system. True. He only had the one year as a starter. He did throw a lot of interceptions. But, like, we we talk ourselves into not liking him for a bevy of reasons. And then we talk ourselves into liking Jordan Love, who is every bit as turnover prone and, frankly, bad. I mean, Jordan Love averaged ba- – Jordan Love last season was basically an average college football player. And I understand that the context around him – is something but it's we a ta- josh allen type thing yeah we talked about this though like if you can't if you can't throw the ball accurately consistently in college like we'll find that out because we actually chart drops and and you know receiver error and all that kind of stuff and it's like i understand that he's got a great arm and i understand that he's got a lot of talent but that's the type of player you take in round four okay so l- then let's do this let's say this the you have to take a quarterback Tua and Burrow are off the board. Context agnostic, who are you taking? Uh, if I have to take a quarterback, I, in all honesty, from what I've looked at, I, Josh Lovett has the has some of the best fundamentals in terms of the data that I've seen. Okay, I, I don't like, and and I and that's the thing. So, what, and the, and this was this got itself into our mock a little bit, which I think is actually smart. I'm not taking Josh Love in the first round, even though my projections like or our projections like him. I'm 
I'm our projections are eliminating players, right? They're pushing them down the list and it's making us consider, right? But we're going to sort of split the difference in the case where we like a player, the data likes a player, and our, our people like our friend Mike, you know, and, and Austin don't, we're going to split the difference there, right? But like, that's the tricky thing. Like, I, I'm not going to talk, I'm much more likely to talk myself out of a player than I am to talk myself into a player. And that's like, you know, I'm going to talk myself out of a player who has good data, maybe bad scouting, then I'm far more likely that I'm going to talk myself into a player who has bad data and good scouting. And I think it's worth looking back at some of the past draft classes. So uh, Josh Allen is a really good example. Josh Allen, we weren't saying was undraftable. Nope. We also weren't taking him in the top 20, right? I think yeah. he was, he is a guy that was a, was a, you take a shot on this guy in what, the second round? So if we were doing this last, you know, a couple of years ago, you'd be saying, okay, well, Josh Allen is a guy that, I mean, the fun, his fundamentals are just really poor. And that's borne out perfectly well in the NFL. The Buffalo Bills can't score the football and people go crazy about this, but like his, the re, they have gone and said, the reason we're drafting this guy is he has a cannon of an arm. And then they realized he's one of the most inaccurate quarterbacks throwing the ball downfield. So they've rejiggered their offense to basically say, hey, actually throw the ball short because that's the only place you have a shot at completing passes and then run the ball a bunch. To your point, I think if you ask, if you polled Buffalo Bills fans on Twitter, who had the more efficient offense, the Jacksonville Jaguars or the Buffalo Bills, people don't realize that the Jaguars averaged two-tenths of a yard per play more than the Buffalo Bills. People think that Josh Allen led his successful offense last year. He did not. And the Jaguars... All their faults, John D. Filippo being the offensive coordinator, having basically one wide receiver who's any good, a, ter- a replacement-level lo- uh, left tackle, and a noodle for an arm in Gardner Minshew in the sixth round, was in a more efficient offense than, a, in our opinion, one of the sharpest teams in the NFL building an infrastructure around Josh Allen to win. The the Jaguars got more efficiency offensively than, <laughs> and they and they had they had Fat Lenny running the football as opposed to the Bills who you know Frank Gore is better than Fat Lenny and and the, the you know what's the, funny the running back the, you, the the little running back that they got is probably pulled, better than if you pulled people just like general NFL fans and you're like hey who's the Jaguars like who's the Jaguars best player they're I would say eighty percent go Leonard Fournette yeah. which is when we we talked. Hilarious. I wrote about this in the Jonathan Taylor article because I my you know my conclusion was Jonathan Taylor is a great prospect, but drafting him asks eventually is going to ask you to make some dumb decisions. Leonard Fournette being okay as a rookie made the Jaguars think, hey, we can win with this formula. Buy into Blake Bortles, lean into that defense, and we've seen what's happened to that defense over the last two three years. It's not even there anymore. Exactly. You so, uh, you mentioned. So, so let's stick with the, the quarterbacks thing here for a second, and then we can move to running backs because I do think that's an interesting question. You have two. We are basically saying, look, as much as we believe in taking shots on guys, if you take a shot on a guy whose mean projection, his average outcome is basically replacement level, then you're screwing yourself. You know, maybe it's a little above, right? But think about it this way. If your team's 1 through 10, and I would kind of segment them out this way. Okay, you have the teams that really need a franchise quarterback. And a lot of those teams are picking in the top 10. There are other players who are going to be far above replacement level on average at valuable positions that you can take. Receiver, corner, 
and a couple of edge players, right? Then you go to like picks 10 through 20 and you go, okay, these teams are in a weird situation because they're not so bad that they're bottoming out. So what, what is the, what is the good of taking a guy that's probably just going to compete for a starting role? Well, that's the tricky part about drafting a quarterback because if the guy plays, his wins above replacement will almost always be three to four times more. But if the guy's not good enough to play, and we've seen that with Paxton Lynch, we've seen that with, uh, I'm trying to think of other, for EJ Manuel was a guy who wasn't good enough to play. Uh, Cardell Jones is that guy, Geno Smith. All those guys are sort of not even good enough to play. Then then it's, it's like wasting a draft pick. Right. I mean, and, let me give you an example, the Denver Broncos. Denver Broncos are sitting there at 15. They took a quarterback in Drew Locke in the second round last year. There's no reason for them to take a shot at one of these guys who's basically just doubling down on Drew Locke when you could take a player that can legitimately help your team and you can go back and get a quarterback later on if Drew Locke doesn't work. And here's the thing with Denver. I mean, like, okay, we didn't like Drew Locke, but that's all of these things are we don't like Drew Locke re relative to where he's picked. I don't like Jonathan Taylor as a top 15 pick in the NFL draft. If you can get him at 50, 60, he's an amazing draft Still pick. Still too high for me. Okay but, okay, but you know what I'm saying? Like we, it, we, we don't like these. If you can get Jordan Love in the fourth round, have at it. Go for it. Like that's to me. Yes, I mean that's my all, point with the Broncos. So you right? look at the Broncos. Go take a flyer in the second round. People said, okay, they're going to take Drew Locke at 10, which would be a colossal mistake. And Broncos fans now, after resulting after five starts, are going to be like, oh, well, they should have just taken him at 10. No, they traded back. The Steelers would go up to get kind of a thumper at linebacker. Good for them. Then they now he's their third pick in the draft, right? Because they get, you know, D Dalton Reisner before him to, to help protect him. They get Drew Locke. You know, they already have Court Cortland Sutton in the mix. Like now you're starting to build a team. Now you're taking better bets. And, you know, taking him at 10 and not getting that extra capital. You just most of these quarterbacks are not Mahomes. Most of these quarterbacks are not Wilson. Like you have to build an infrastructure around them. And if you mess around and and overextend, if you're Tampa Bay, if you're Indianapolis, free advice: don't take Jordan Love at 13, 14, 15. If you if you really want him, like hope that he gets back to the second round or something like that, and build an infrastructure around him. Because if you don't. All indications are is he's going to stink. Jordan Love take, was take, not able to be successful in college when his infrastructure sucked. What do you think he's going to do in the NFL? Here's the thing. Taking a flyer on a quarterback in, it basically says, hey, I actually don't know a whole lot about these guys. I'm taking a flyer. So don't go out of your way to be, no, no, no. This is the right yeah. flyer. I have to overdraft him. Part of that is saying, let the chips fall where they may. I'm going to take – you take a crap – you roll the dice on a quarterback because they could be really valuable. That doesn't mean that you take them in the first round. Yeah. You roll the dice later on. So uh, then you go on to teams like 20, you know, through the end of the first round and even the start of the second a little bit uh, because those teams have already picked a quarterback. And you go, okay, here's the deal. These guys already have a QB. They're trying to win now. There are legitimately players at valuable positions that you can still take that can help you win now. You've already invested capital in this quarterback. What is the point, again, in taking a flyer all the way in the first round? So I think we're going to end up with two. Yeah, and and I think that that might that might make people upset, but like, in my opinion, so here's the thing about Tua is too is like, we're not. I'm not exactly sold on him being a superstar. I think no. there's a significant difference between him and Burrow, because of because of things like what Burrow was asked to do, wh who he did it against. And the, the, you know, we, we talk about him only having one year of starting, you know, being good at starting, 
But like in some ways, he played a lot more. Like that, those LSU teams were were playing longer games than the Alabama teams that Tua yeah. was. So like the data, the sample size issue for Burrow is less pronounced than people think, and the per play efficiency relative to who he was doing against is far better than Tua's. So like people put them in the same cluster. No, what we're saying, Burrow, I think projects as a legitimate superstar. And, and, of course, anything can happen. But Tua projects to me as a starting caliber NFL quarterback. And if that's the case, you take him as high as you have to. The other guys do not even, to me, project as starting caliber NFL quarterbacks. So you take flyers on them late, a la Drew Locke. When you – everyone projects guys in the NFL draft at their, like, 80th percentile. Yeah. Everyone looks at these guys with rose-colored glasses and goes, you know what? What I believe is the average for this guy is really his his ceiling in a lot of cases. And on average, Tua, a lot closer to average mm -hmm. than people want to give him credit for. And the same is true with Burrow. He, on average, okay, yes, be, like better than average quarterback, but there are a lot of those guys out there, right? Yeah, Jimmy G is a great example, and people are trying to get rid of him. So we need to ground ourselves in reality a little bit with these quarterbacks. The other thing with Tua that's very interesting, and let's just talk about the pick number two, because this is our next our next big question: is what do you do at two? Um, and he has this incredible, incredible second half, right in the, in the championship game. That sets everything up. That sets the narrative for him. Mm -hmm. He then goes out and has a really tremendous year, right? They end up losing in the championship. And then has a catastrophic year where a lot of injuries happen. Things don't go, you know, he has obviously the really bad injury at the end that ends he the didn't season. Have, he didn't have the opportunity in a lot of ways to play. Like the way that this schedule turned out, he didn't have an opportunity to play his best against good teams, which, which influences our system yes. a lot. So Burrow playing awesome against Clemson is – is huge. It's huge. And Tua not being able to play a lot of those games is bad for him. And you can look at this, and a lot of people, this is a question that we got asked. What do, you, what do you make of that? Well, what I make of that is the variance increases. It's not necessarily, yes, does the mean move back a little bit? Sure. But what really it does, it says, I know less about this guy. Mm -hmm. And that's the thing. You're buying not only when you're saying Burrow projects better, are you buying average being higher, you're buying certainty. And the, and the way that variance works in the NFL is very rarely will variance – there's a ceiling to some degree. Sure. So if you increase variance, the chances are the tail to the left is going to be more pronounced than the tail to the right because the tail uneven, to the – Uneven butt cheeks is yeah, what the, you're talking the, about. The tail to the right is being you know pushed forward prior by, prior by Peyton Manning, Tom Brady, and now Mahomes, and it's just difficult – to say, you know, Tom Brady everybody's like, tail. who's the next, who's the next X, right? People have been like, who's the next Jordan? Who's the next Mahomes? Bridget it's Moynihan? like, no one, <laughs> you know, like. So if you're at two, we've just talked about how Tua is, hey, a lot more average than you probably think. There are a lot of question marks there. At the same time, the guy's accuracy is absolutely phenomenal. And that is the number one thing you're looking for. The second thing you're looking for is like, is this guy, does this guy have a decent head on his shoulders? Yep. And that appears to be the case. And he doesn't, as much as he has made some boneheaded plays, overall, he has not made a high number of really catastrophic plays. He, he does a good job of limiting those. So you think to yourself, well, is he Jimmy G without a high number of turnover-worthy plays? And would I buy that at number two? Yes. Or, or would I rather trade back 
or take Chase Young. So rank those three for me. Um, okay, well, if I'm Washington, and we talked about this yesterday, you made fun of me mercilessly. Let's throw Alex Smith out of the equation. Jesus. So if, you're, if you have Haskins and you have Tua, the probability that you get average or better quarterback play from that position is substantially bigger than if you have Haskins, Chase Young, or Haskins, and then and then Haskins are a few picks that mm -hmm. you generate in the later rounds, and even if you use one of those on a lesser a quarterback. So to me, the question becomes, okay, are you building a good enough infrastructure for your team for average quarterback play to be something you can capitalize on? Take Cincinnati for the you know the Marvin Lewis years. If that's the type of team you're building, then you take Tua here because you if you can uh, get yourself average or better quarterback play and you don't care who it is if it's Tua or, or Haskins you know uh, by all means then you do it if you are rebuilding like, so let's say let's say you think that your team is going to stink and and average quarterback play is not going to get you anywhere near mm -hmm. because your team's not good enough then I think you trade back so that'd be my second preferred decision I think the third preferred decision is to take Chase Young and hope that you hope that Haskins works out. And I, that last choice isn't the worst choice that ever, anybody's ever made, but it's, it's by far the worst of the three. No, it's not. But here's, here's how I'd say it. And this, is, this has, I need to emphasize this. I can't emphasize this enough. This is not about Chase Young, the football player. Chase Young is the best football player in this draft. Well, he and Burrow are pretty close. I think Isaiah Simmons got has a chance. Okay, yeah. sure. I've made that argument too, and I, I'm, I'm with you. Um, but let's just say we've we've picked Nitz, and Chase Young is the guy. Mm -hmm. He just doesn't – what he does, by definition, incurs a lower value. You can be a great pass rusher. The highest-graded pass rusher last year was TJ Watt. He was phenomenal. Number two was Calais Campbell. And I don't know if you – followed the nfl last year those teams fucking stunk well so here, hold experiment. on i have an analogy for you okay i have an analogy for you you know i'm a big fan of in and out okay i love in and out yeah i would eat and eat in and out over a lot of different meals and when i go to los angeles i do my best to go to in and out but i gotta be honest with you i don't go there every time i go to los angeles you know why well, there's other things there are things that are better than in and out yeah and here's and that's that's taking cost into account like i get a great meal in and out for seven bucks but if you said hey man you have to spend fifty dollars you can have or let's say let's make it a hundred dollars make it easier you have a hundred dollars to spend you have to spend it you can either go spend it on a fantastic dinner at these you know two places that you really like where the average meal is going to cost hundred dollars or you can spend a hundred dollars on in and out you're not going to in and out yeah you're not so that's what taking chase young at this position would be he is a, fin a fantastic player in his equivalence class of burgers that I'm buying at, you know, for eight bucks. He is the best. But that simply doesn't win you Super Bowls. It could get you from six to seven wins, which actually hurts you. Right. He can get you from seven to eight wins, which actually hurts you because you don't have a shot. It can get you from hungry to fed, right? <laughs> but it can't get you the value that that hundred bucks. And, and the thought experiment that people, because people always bring up Nick Bosa, which I, if if Nick Mullins is starting for, at quarterback for the 49ers this season, they are seven and nine at best. 
Yes. No matter no matter how good Nick Mullen, and, uh, Nick Bosa is. And 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 we need to remember that Nick Bosa, as great as he was, he dominated the crappy teams that the 49ers absolutely shat all over. Yeah. And and they had they won that Saints game because their offense, like they won a lot of really big close games because of how Jimmy G and the passing offense played. They were winning in yeah. the Super Bowl until that passing offense. Nick, Nick Bosa was dominating that game. What happened at the end of the game? Nothing. Here's they 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 won the NFC West because in the second round they did what we're going to do a lot of times in this first round of this mock. They took a wide receiver who is explosive. They 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 won in the playoffs because their offense has playmakers that can catch the ball and defenses like Sam the defenses like Green Bay and, and Minnesota had to play subs just to respect the Emmanuel Sanders, the Debo Samuels, uh, of the George Kittles uh, of the world. They did not win those games because of Nick Bosa. Like, Nick Bosa's great, and if you have all of the, the T's crossed and the I's dotted, by all means, take him. If you don't, do not be disappointed. Do not blame Chandler Jones because the Arizona Cardinals True. suck. True. Now, I would say, the the so I'm with you in the ranking. I believe that the... It all depends on how the Dolphins feel or the Raiders feel or I, I guess maybe the Jaguars too mm-hmm. feel about Tua. But if so let's say the Dolphins really value Tua, then I think the difference between picking Tua and trading down, I don't think it's that great because I think you can get a real haul. Like I believe you could – if the Dolphins are all in, could you get – could all. you say, hey, give me three first-round picks this year and another next year? And in that case – I'm doing it, and I'm also still considering sending uh, Dwayne Haskins to Chicago. I don't think they have anything they could actually trade me, but you know, I'm just keeping all options open, and I'm saying let me acquire a ton of draft capital and let me go from there. I think that's a legit number two. I'm not considering taking Chase Young here because what I would do is I would say let me trade down. There are some great defensive players. Yeah. In my mind, Isaiah Simmons, Chase Young, and Jeffrey Okuda, and one of those guys will be there. And I will. I am very happy with my crappy team to take either one. Yeah, absolutely. And and we'll talk about this a little bit later. But the idea is again, like the league. This is strange to say, but other than quarterback and offensive skill position players, predominantly tight ends and wide receivers, the NFL is not a stars league. No, you don't win with stars. You win. You unless win. they play quarterback. Yeah, exactly. And you and and even then, like. When your quarterback is not a star, you win with stars at wide receiver and tight end. But the rest of the – you look at offensive line, left tackle, like Ty, what Tyron Smith does has very little effect on the on the, the Dallas Cowboys if the rest of the offensive line sucks. Uh, you know, Running back, of course, doesn't matter all that much. But, like, the offense gets to dictate what it does, and it's going to attack – and, and defense to some degree do as well on the offensive line. Mm-hmm. But, like, your goal should be to build a roster that's relatively uh, impervious to perturbations. And you don't do that by saying, I need to get, I need to get all pros everywhere. Yes. Like, people, people think about that that's as, like, a the great goal. Point. People the, think about that as the goal, but it's not. You look at, like, you want to be prepared. And you say perturbations a lot, and I know what that means. Yeah. I'm just going to throw it. The way to think about this is shit happens. And you want your offense to be able to handle it when shit happens. 
And a great example of this is the Philadelphia Eagles. They won the Super Bowl with a ton of shit happening. They were able to to fill in their offensive line. It was just wrecked injury-wise. Yeah. They filled it in. Their quarterback got wrecked. They filled it in. Their, their coverage unit, by and large, stayed healthy and hasn't in future years. So, like, they were able to handle it when shit happened. I think that's a great point. The, the reason that they haven't been quite as good the last few years is because the players that they've put in at some of those fragile positions have not been good enough. And so even though Wentz is – so it's sort of this competing, and Wentz is good enough to overcome a great deal, but having Greg Lloyd at, or Greg Ward at wide receiver is just – you're just not good enough there. But you even look at, like – just look at, like, defensively. With, with So Mike Renner got a lot of crap yesterday on Twitter for his whole his life. hair? No. Uh, no, the, the Chiefs – The glasses-hair combo. The Chiefs cornerback. He's like, oh. no team with this bad of a cornerback group. Has ever won the Super Bowl? You think Bowl. when he goes to Orange Theory, they just they like they're like uh, they're counting you know male female ratio like oh, fuck I don't know <laughs> <laughs> no comment so so everybody's giving him depends whether he's clean shaven or not that day everybody was giving them crap but it's like you know where the where you can make substantial improve it's very expensive to go out there and get yourself a Josh Norman and it's probably not going to work out it's really expensive to go out there and get a Tremaine Johnson and it's probably not going to work out. It's relatively cheap to do what Kansas City did and say, "Hey, look, Anthony Hitchens is terrible. Why don't it's I get somebody Why don't I get somebody in there who can actually be average for a little You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. Like bringing up the the third and fourth best players in your defense. No, I'm with you. And, and that's cheap, right? So when you when you trade up and put all your eggs in one basket and look for superstars on your team, that's not that's not that's not great. That, that is not necessarily the way to go about it. Go about it. All right. The third question I have for you is, we got to, we got to the Giants, and the Giants are going to be in a position to take a very good defensive player, a very good offensive tackle, or a very good wide receiver. And the I think it's a very interesting thought exercise. What what would you do uh, if you're the Giants? Like, let's think about these three options. Let's say all three, let's say that, to make it fair, let's say that all three of those positions, the players that are available, were number one on the Giants board in their projections, right? Similar to when we're doing this, we say, okay, the three guys still available are one or two across the board. So if you're there and all the players you like are gone at four? No, 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 all the players are still there. I'm talking about position, wide receiver, oh sure, tackle, and then like defensive player. You right? take wide receiver. The the only the only reason, maybe tackle, but I but I because you push back on me a little bit here. I did I did because, yeah, right I did only because again I'm I'm sort of because we trying to ground truth with the model and it's like, it's like ground truth with with the market, which is saying okay if the if Chase Young or Akuda are there or you know uh, the best tackle. Like people are gonna people are gonna give you shit if you don't if you go ahead and take a wide receiver there. But in reality, again, your goal as a team, the the fastest way to win games is to accentuate your quarterback and to do things that make him successful. Yes. And the fastest way to do that is to give him weapons. This was exactly my point. This is about Daniel Jones. You are deciding. You've made the decision that Daniel Jones is your future. Well, already. no, I, I would say no, but you have to find out. Yes. You can't be in limbo. This is the worst place you can be next year is, well, fuck. 
we took we took a great edge rusher and he was fantastic. We just don't know about Daniel Jones yet. Yeah. You can't be in that situation. Nope. Similarly, you can't be in the situation where you're like, okay, Tristan Wirfs, the guy's thighs, fantastic. Austin and Mike waxed about it poetically. It was beautiful. I got sweaty. He's amazing. But if you go into next year with that wide receiving core, it doesn't matter if he has great protection. No one's getting open. So the easiest way to find out about whether Daniel Jones is legit is to say, hey, here's a guy that's open. Get him the football. And there, for my money, is no one that is going to get open like Jerry Judy is going to get open. So if I'm sitting there and I'm the Giants, yeah, you can invest in tackle and pass protection and defense. That You have other picks. They actually have a decent amount of, of draft capital, and they invested a lot of it last year. Right. They picked up some nice players. Right. Like they drafted a cornerback who mm-hmm. turned out to be absolutely terrible for the first. Yeah, like, But then improved. But, it improved. But you're right. But like that's the thing is, is, you know, you need that DeAndre Baker improving. Is that telling you anything about Daniel Jones next year? Yes. And again, yes, that is absolutely true. I mean, and that's the that's the tricky thing. And that's why people will see our mock draft as being relatively focused on a few things. But the fact of the matter is, is you have to like. This is a league about failing quickly at the quarterback position. Yep. And, you know, we, we've seen it over and over and over and over and over again. Can you imagine if the Cardinals ran it back with Josh Rosen this year? But look look at look at your Niners in, in the middle of last decade. Do like, I have to? So it's like, well, two decades ago. They, they draft Alex Smith. Oh and he's got, by the time he gets to Harbaugh, he has five offensive coordinators, right? You realize that this is like a dark time. I'm in high school. And Mike Nolan. Trying to figure my life guy. out. So... So the I'm getting, I'm getting deli sandwiches. All you do named is after put, Mike Nolan. All you do. I'm is, not even kidding. All you do is put excuses <laughs> in front of Alex Smith, and you actually like you give him a decent amount of plausible deniability. And so Alex and granted, Alex Smith had a really damn good year in 2011. He was having a good year in 2012. Like the end result was fine. But yeah. you look at it with guys like Christian Ponder. You look at it with guys like Blaine Gabbert. You look at it with Jake Locker. You 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 draft a quarterback. And you're like. God, it's not his fault. It's our fault. We just didn't put enough around Failed him. And it's like you're wasting yeah. seasons by you're wasting seasons by putting, you know, by not putting good players around him because you're not finding out. The 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 thing draft a guy, put players around him, find out if he's good or not, and move on. We were talking about wide receiver. The argument has been between Jerry Judy and CeeDee Lamb, who's number one. We talked a little bit about this and uh, on the last podcast and the combine numbers coming in, that's a big part of our model. We turned it into an athleticism score. Um, it was a brilliant idea on your part and has really helped um, us kind of intertwine the two components, athleticism production. I am going to say right now that I would take Henry Ruggs ahead of C.D. Lamb. Speed kills. His production was great, and I think that's going to drive some people crazy. I think, yes. But the, the thing at wide receiver, which is tricky, and it's not – it, it hasn't always been this way. 20 years ago – Cut that part. 20 years ago, the base offense in the NFL was 12 or 11 – or 12 or 21 personnel. And you had two wide receivers that played the majority of the game, and you had a third wide receiver that would come in on late downs and maybe a fourth wide receiver. And that was how it worked. So if you drafted a wide receiver and he wasn't a good all-around wide receiver, he was a bust, right? And you moved on. 
in today's NFL, even in round one, you it's styles make fights at the receiver position, right? So you look at a guy like DJ Moore, who's the first receiver drafted two years ago by Carolina. By all, in my opinion, at the time was kind of like, oh, that's kind of weird. He's not really a complete receiver. You know, he's got some good traits to him, but that's kind of overvaluing. And, and I think if you're a Carolina Panthers fan, you have to be happy with that selection. He's had a great first two years because the team made him do certain things. They made Curtis Samuel do other things. Uh, Greg Olson, when he was there, he did. A, we They play so many wide receivers now that when you draft those guys, it's very much about how they fit, right? And it, this is why, you know, our, our colleague and pal Timo Risque, you know, why the passing maps and looking at sort of the composition of how players run routes and how they're targeted is extremely valuable information now because when you're looking to go find a wide receiver, like you're not drafting Jerry Rice ever. You're not drafting Chris Carter ever. You're not drafting Randy Moss ever, T.O. Those guys aren't in the draft, right? You're drafting, you're, you're looking at the difference between DJ Moore and Calvin Ridley. That's what you're looking at. And so if you're the Falcons, you might need a player like Ridley. If you're the Panthers, you might need a, t a player like Moore. If you're dumb, you don't care, right? And then you put the guy in there, you're like, well, why isn't he succeeding in our offense? We're asking him to do this. Well, it's like, well, he's actually good at that. So for me at five, between these receivers, it's very much a what does this team need type of situation hmm. because a lot of these guys I think are equally yoked in terms of interesting in terms of the types of player they are right like Justin Jefferson is a hell of a prospect but if you're asking him to replace Ted Ginn you're going to fail right <laughs> you know what I mean if you're the if you're the Saints like it, it's, Here's, it's this conversation okay. let me just say this I, I watched the Kansas City Chiefs get beaten destroyed befuddled. Yeah. torn down for three quarters in the Super Bowl. Yep. And I still sat there at the start of the fourth quarter, and you're next to me shaking like a leaf because you've come so far and it's yeah, all yeah. going to pass away. I'm trying to envision the 49ers hoisting the Lombardi Trophy, and I can't. And you know why I can't? Because the Chiefs have something that you simply, simply cannot overcome, and that is athleticism that you can't match. They have guys that are so good at throwing the ball further than you can run and guys that are, can run faster than you can. Than you can. Yep. And to me, that's, that is what Henry Ruggs helps bring you that I don't think CeeDee Lamb quite does. Now, I'm not saying that I wouldn't take CeeDee Lamb super high. To me, that is, Lamb, that is wide. Lamb is, somebody, Lamb is somebody that I think is going to make And for it. the record, he projects better. Yeah, right. And I think, I think Lamb is somebody who – this sounds kind of – like silly, but when I see him play, I think like Nate Burleson. Yeah. So like a player and like Nate was a good NFL wide receiver, not a superstar, but like somebody who has great balance, makes yards after the catch, but doesn't scare you down the field. And maybe it was that Oklahoma offense and give him that opportunity because Hertz was kind of limited throwing the ball down the field. But he strikes me and like Nate Burleson as your two or three is a fantastic weapon. When the Vikings had him and Moss, he was great. He yep. you know, led the team in receiving one year. I mean, I still but, remember people talking about, okay, well, like, without Moss. Yeah, yeah, yeah. What happened? Exactly, yeah. So the, the Vikings wanted Burleson to be the one, and he failed, right? So the – the um, he's, he's doing great, though. Yeah, he, yeah, he is. He's, he's really good at what he does. Um, but if you look at – right, like, but the Tyree Kill player is sort of – and again, if you're going to draft, you're like, okay, we got to find the next Tyree Kill. You're going to fail. But can you approximate him with Judy? Yes. I mean, we're talking about – you know, just deep speed and like 
being able to make contested catches and make yards after the catch. Dude, like Henry Ruggs catches a crosser, and you're like, yeah. fuck, peace. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, so and that's what I so want. So all those, all those guys, and again, like, to be – and then the other thing, so we talk about Ruggs and we talk about Judy. There, there's another key component to this, which people have documented for a long time. Being able to get targeted in an offense as explosive as Alabama means that you're good because a player – because there are other studs on that team that could be targeted. Like, so the issue with Lamb is he's the, literally the only Oklahoma wide receiver that was good enough to get that many targets. So he, we're going. But if you if you cream rise to the top at Alabama, you're a stud. Yeah, I mean those yeah. three receivers were insane. Okay, uh, we have a couple more questions. Um, one that I thought was really interesting that came up, and I want to keep this super short so we get to the rest of the things. We ended up in a long debate about our top offensive tackle versus Isaiah Simmons. And I think this is another situation to me where it's like, this is where team need comes in. Both these guys can be super valuable, and it depends which one fit, which one are you currently more below replacement level at? Is that how you would think about it? Uh, yeah, because neither position is going to give you the fat tail type of thing. You just can't help yourself. Wait, like linebacker, <laughs> like, like Luke Keekley is a tremendous player. and we, we ended Eric up Eager, ass man. So, n the no, the neither one of those players is going to give you is going to win you a Super Bowl. Luke Keekley is a guy who has played probably better than any linebacker we've seen, and ultimately, like he his how the Panthers play the Super Bowl is very dependent upon the fact that Cam Newton and that offense couldn't do anything. Um, offensive tackle is the exact same thing. Well, so when it comes, between, yeah, they couldn't because Mike Remmers was getting bludgeoned. Yeah, but when you when you look to draft between so if it's if it's between a position like wide out quarterback probably defensive back and like linebacker ot you take the you take the explosive position that can really mm -hmm. push a push a team forward if it's between those positions that aren't exactly the distributions are narrower for outcomes now it, now you're talking about what you're saying which is need and so you look at offensive tackle versus versus linebacker it's really like okay well you know, Carolina needs. We shouldn't call Isaiah Simmons a linebacker. Yeah, Not but fair. but in the NFL today, I feel like I me mean, calling you a power forward. But I mean, I am. No, but you're a, you're an offensive weapon. I'm not. Oh, that's okay. Thank you're you. gonna stretch the floor. I mean, I can run the pick and roll. When your calf is healthy, you're gonna well, run up and down the court. In ten years, you can guard a five. Look, but I went like six years between dunks. I might go another six years. We'll you see. You can guard a five, but a three can't guard you because of your explosion. I am explosive. Yeah. Okay, uh, let's close it out with our, our mock questions with this one. This isn't really a question. This is a statement. I went into our discussion firmly, firmly in I will not waste a first-round pick on an interior lineman. That means Derek Brown, who, by the way, it's not Aaron Donald. I'm not saying no to Aaron Donald. I'm saying no to, like, Poor man snacks Harrison. Yeah, Vita in Vea. The first round. Oh, great. Vita Vea. Yeah. That's right. Tampa Bay Buccaneers savior, Vita Vea. Tight end and defensive interior player. That's who I'm saying no to. The person, the player that is closest uh, to actually getting picked in the first round, I think, that plays on the interior is a guard, which should tell you all about how I feel about Derek Brown. Yeah, Muti, Muti had a projection. I think its win rate for any other guard was like a percentage point higher, median. And so I was, I was trying to see. You were if, trying to pawn him off on me, to be 
fair. Right. Your Niners. We the interesting thing is we all knew who my Chiefs were going to draft. Yeah. Probably. Stay tuned. Stay tuned. But. And in, give me some credit. I I put them right there. You did, and you you and I are similarly woke on what a linebacker should be. I so. You say similarly yoked, <laughs> which uh, is not true. The thing with you trying to give. Uh, it, it, let me come back to the Super Bowl. You know what we saw in the Super Bowl? Teams that didn't invest and and had a lot of backup players at interior yeah. uh, on the offensive line. So, like, as great as Muti may be, you're looking at, can I get a guy that can maybe stretch the field a little bit? Can I get a corner that can be, like, a third corner? And that is just way more valuable. Because ultimately in that game, Chris Jones had one pressure. He had a couple yeah, knockdowns. That, that bad pass bad pass. huge. I mean, but the the game was won because Frank Clark tossed Mike McGlinchey like three feet to the right. Stop. You couldn't get through a single mock conversation without reminding me of McGlinchey instead of Derwin James. You can't. You just couldn't. But no, do but it. what I'm doing is implicitly calling you right because it's look, true. anybody can That's look fair. Anybody can look back. No one's going to give me credit for that. And I remember I was much younger in this company, and I it was wrote, our first ever live, live appearance show. on in this very room. But I remember writing a piece. I might try and go find it about the 49ers draft. And I was I tried so hard to make sure that I wrote it in a way that wasn't mean. Because I, I have a ton of respect for John Lynch. I, I, it's not like I'm a fan that's irrational. I actually did have a ton of respect for what he was doing and what he was building. And I, I tried so hard to write this paragraph that was like, I can't believe they didn't take Derwin fucking James. The guy's an absolute freak. Yeah. What the fuck are you doing? You took a, a a tackle that looks old and is better at run blocking than pass blocking. I can't fucking believe it. Derwin James probably would have tackled Damian Williams more than oh, stop than stop Kawan it. Alexander did. The, stop it. But it, no, but like I thought I did a good job by the way. I didn't think I was mean, and I I didn't intend to and, be. And McGlinchey has had his has had his moments of he's being bad, fine. but he's been fine. It's just again one of those where he's not like Greg Robinson. Well, the, uh, well, here's the thing: he can he can play a perfect game, and then get tossed by Frank Clark on the fourth down. Sure, and it, and right, and it also it's not going to have. We talk about where things have the most value. It's the guy throwing. You know, it's at the initial point where the pass is thrown, dictating how accurate it is. Emmanuel Sanders gets overthrown by a couple yards. And if he's not, game might be a totally different. And then the players at the catch point, your receiver, your cornerback. Michael Glinchy is neither of those. Not, it's not his yeah. fault. Um, it's just positional value. But what, what I want to close out with here is something that's a little different um, but plays a role in how I think we attacked this mock draft. And you wrote a tremendous piece. I remember when you pitched this idea to me a few weeks ago. You were like, how fragile – do you think defenses are? And we talk a ton about how defense is not nearly as predictive as offense. And people write that off as, well, that means that defense is totally, you should just ignore it completely. You'll see in this mock draft, that's not how we feel. Yep. There are parts of a defense that, that do have a ton of value, particularly in coverage. So explain this to me like I am three and a half years old. Because I, I would say five, but I was, I was an above average intelligence kid. What do you mean by how fragile is your defense? Well, so the 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 thing that you don't so I, I like to think of fragility as as far as like how the how the whole how the whole depends upon the parts. Mm -hmm. And like, you know, we, we were thinking about like and, and I was introduced to this idea with thinking about like the last like the mortgage crisis that happened ten years ago, you know, twenty or fifteen years ago or so. 
when it was like, if we assume that, if we assume that like an entire block, like the, the, the housing market in an entire block is the independent sum of the, that of the houses and one person gets foreclosed on, it's going to have a very little, it's going to have a small impact on the community because essentially they're all independent, right? They're, but in reality, one of the big mistakes that we made was not understanding the correlations between like, okay, maybe all these people work at the same school. That school goes out of business mm-hmm. and they're all screwed, right? Yeah, it's not, they're not uh, independent events. Yeah, and the issue with the issue is, is probabilities when they're independent, they get multiplied together when you want to find the, the probability of the intersection. And as anybody knows, all of them happen. When yeah. you multiply the small numbers together, they get smaller. And so we tend to underestimate these like events that are, you know, that are relatively, you know, infrequent. But they, the difference between something happening ten percent of the time, one percent of the time, as we're finding out with coronavirus and things like that, it's ten times, it, it sucks, right? So like when I look at a defense, and I'm thinking to myself, okay, like how fragile is the defense? It's we all understand that if the best cornerback for another team gets injured. Like it's going to, we're, they're going to suck, right? We don't necessarily take into concern. Well, what about if that nickel guy gets injured or what about if the third or fourth guy gets hurt? Like, is that going to screw up a defense and, and mess with their ability to, to defend an offense? And so I went back and I looked at our data and I said, okay, let, let's look at a game, a couple different ways. Let's look forward and backwards and basically come up with a way of saying, this is the seventh best coverage player on this team. This is the sixth best coverage player. And I found that game to game, the, the best coverage player on the team did not have the biggest effect on how, how well the defense played. And the second, it was more in that third to sixth range. So when we're bit like, so that's interesting, right? Because, because we think of like, okay, now is the time of year to get stars. And it's really not about that. And, and it's, it probably has contributed to some of, at least my, like, I, I fundamentally, I'll take an L on this. Like, I did not think Kansas City would have a chance to be decent defensively. Because none of their players, other than like Tyra Matt, like they don't have a corner that I think is any good. But they did a great job of mitigating how bad their bad players were. And that was so much better than having like a, than buying a couple superstars, winning free agent. I think of that Tampa Bay year where they signed Michael Johnson and like Daryl Revis and like all of them are lined up. And their defense still sucked. Well, it's because you didn't have those sub. You didn't care about the fifth house on the block, right? Like the fifth it, house on the, the block house, matters. So the house analogy is great because here's how I think of it. It's like saying, okay, I'm gonna go. I, I have this house. It's in a decent part of town. It's an okay house. I'm gonna go buy a hundred thousand dollar home theater system. Oh, fucking fantastic. That's yeah. great. Your house is going to deteriorate. You're in a shitty part of town. Yeah. Who cares about your home theater? That You want the star to come in. You know, you want to buy the Lamborghini after you have all the other things. And without those other things, that star is greatly diminished. And to me, I thought this was so cool because it, it underscores both where we get things wrong about defense, but also where we get things right about offense which is offense is dictating. Offense is anti-fragile. And so if I say, yeah, if I say, hey, your third corner sucks and your first corner's great, the offense is going to emphasize how much the third corner sucks. And so the piece is out today. I, I think I think I, it should be out today it should or, come tom- out today or, or tomorrow. Or tomorrow, but you're going to want to go check it out. Go read the whole thing. Um, I think we did a good job of teasing it. Um, let's close out with this. Let's make this like a two-minute segment. 
we talked a lot about Tom Brady potentially going other places. All of them seem far-fetched to me, aside from the Patriots. We've talked about where Tom Brady should want to go, where the Patriots should want to do. If you're sitting opening night uh, or opening Sunday, where would Tom Brady be that would make the league most exciting? I have one that I've mentioned before that I'm excited about. Okay, so Thursday night football, opening night, should be Chargers at Chiefs. And, yeah, and, maybe. And Brady should play for the Chargers. Okay. I think that's a great one. I think that is – wow. I didn't consider that. Fuck. That is good. Right? Because it's divisional rival. That the is Chargers, fucking The Chargers good. are actually pretty good if you – like they're Okay. Yeah. Okay. I, I think mine rivals this. The team that gets thrown in our face more than any other team – whether, doesn't have their quarterback whether under we contract. like it or not yeah they don't have a quarterback under contract right now they have a coach who unlike so the the Niners have a Kyle Shanahan believes in his scheme and mm -hmm. I think Jimmy G it do, he's he runs that scheme right yep. Tom Brady's not going to come in and run stretch plays and like you know boots and stuff like that Mike McCarthy and yeah, Tom yeah, Brady yeah. could get along I think Jerry Jones could so that's could the have opening Sunday night game like Cowboys-Giants for like the end. No, end not the Giants. Year. Don't give me the Giants. Maybe Cowboys-Eagles. Cowboys yeah. Um, or but if I'm going to have to watch the fucking Cowboys yeah. 10 times next year, maybe more, uh, So then put Tom Brady on the Cowboys. Let's let's back this train up then. And, and here's – let me make one Just, more point. One more point. Kellen Moore, we talked about – the reason I think this makes so much sense is that Kellen Moore – is a good young offensive coordinator. They did a lot of things that were similar to what the Patriots did. They they were excellent on play action. They threw on second and long. There's a lot of ways this works. Their offensive line they've invested in now. It's very good. Bring back Amari. He gets open. I'm just saying. Here's the thing. If that happens, I'm going to look at you right now, Mr. Prescott. Two hours west of here is a freaking good team and with a freaking good coach freaking welcome if Dak Prescott if Dak Prescott's a free agent the Colts should sign him the moment he enters like they should dude I'm so here for Tom Brady the Cowboys simply, if Brady goes to, simply for what ha ends up happening to Prescott because Dak is a like look Dak is a Dak is a good quarterback he, in, in an infrastructure like Indianapolis they could I'm not saying they would rival the Chiefs because the quarterback differential is big but they would be a they would be the front one runner to win the AFC South. The Chargers, I think, would throw close to forty at, at Dak. Yeah, because the Chargers are gonna. No one's going to Chargers games next year. No one gives a flying fuck about the Chargers. Yeah. Uh, that, so that's so, the thing. So I think again, welcome to this part of the country, Dak. Do you have any stories from the Cincy Y? No, just because I've only been swimming with the, this this. Okay, calf. I swam yesterday. I expected it to be empty because of coronavirus. Apparently, no one gives a shit. And everyone yeah. is at the gym. I and that was one of the. Re I only swam like twenty laps because I was like, you weren't there when I got down there. <laughs> I was like, I was like, uh, I, I just I started thinking about the coronavirus, and obviously, once you started thinking about the coronavirus, it's too late. So I was just like, I don't. We didn't talk about where we took coronavirus in our draft, our mock draft. You'll want to check it out just to see that. Um, did we overdraft coronavirus? We'll find out. We'll be back with you guys on Monday. That's when our mock draft hits as well. Um, thank you guys for tuning in. Peace out.